All right, well, welcome everyone to another chapel follow-up podcast from Rosedale Bible College. Uh, my name's Erica, and if you haven't jo- uh, listened to the original chapel talk, um, this, morning, or this afternoon we're with uh, Ruben Sayers, and you can find the original chapel uh, talk there. Um, and if not, you can still join in with us, and we're excited just to kind of go a little deeper from what he talked about this morning. Um, I'm here with student Dorothy Plank, who, where are you from, Dorothy? Just kind of... I'm from Bremen, Ohio, so kind of southern Ohio. Which is like Hocking Hills area? Is that Kind of, is that yeah, ab- around that area. Safe to say? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. And you're in your second year this year? Yes, I am. Very good. So graduating in a couple months. Yep, it's pretty exciting, also kind of sad, but yep. yeah, <laughs> really exciting. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. And Ruben Sayers is here. You've been on faculty for I don't even know, how many years? 19 years. Man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, this is, Rosedale's just home for you then. <laughs> it is, yes, surprisingly enough. I'm the, I teach and I'm the director of the library here as well. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, if you want to just give us kind of a summary of what kind of your main message was on this morning, and then we'll kind of go from there. Well, when I'm not at Rosedale, one of the things I am is a pastor. I was a pastor of one urban congregation in Alabama for 10 years and then worked as a church planner. Uh, for a district of churches there for a couple of years. When I moved up here to Ohio, I dodged the pastoral bullet for a couple of years, but then was uh, moved into the associate pastor role that I played at London Christian Fellowship for the last 15 years or so. The, the message today was meant to be pastoral, not academic. And I thought, what would be a message that I would have wanted somebody to tell me, mm-hmm. were I the age of our students, might have helped me uh, at that time. I don't recall that anybody did, but maybe I was just being dumb and deaf at the time, but I'm not really sure. Um, my concern was that I, I know that the early 20s, at least for in my day and in my cohort, were unstable times. And one of the surprising experiences, I think, for a lot of Christians is how alone they could feel. And I began to ponder that idea and think that, that actually that seems to be a pretty common experience for Christians who are in a period of life in their early 20s when things wobble a bit. And they often feel disconnected, both from family and from church, and they feel like they're alone, vulnerable, exposed. And um, I wanted to make a message that said, don't be surprised by that. And even beyond that, that God may want us to go through those periods, that they're not um, aberrations or, or perhaps not the wastelands we might think they are spiritually, but they are God, our Heavenly Father, standing back watching us grow up. I said the, the goal of all parenting was to produce um, a child that, that learned to stand on its own two feet, to defend itself, to grow, to have integrity when, when <laughs> mom and dad aren't around. I thought, why would it be any different for our spiritual father than to uh, have us in those time periods where, I want to say that he's, it's not that he's gone, but he really is letting us stand alone. And so I was trying to just say, what, what could we put in place or what could I say that if somebody by God's great grace, will remember it when they hit that period, would help them. And in particular, I I talked about the issue that um, even though God may seem step back from our lives at times, critical times, and we do feel alone, exposed, naked, as it were, uh, that in fact, he's there. Mm -hmm. And uh, to, to build that conviction deeply into our lives, and also to get a view of um, the, the power of the church. 
um, that it isn't built out of um, how wonderful we find church, but that something spiritual and cosmic is happening within church that's very important to us, uh, that we can rest in even, even when church is disappointing or we're having trouble connecting. And I said the part of that period of loneliness is often a sense of disconnection from fellowship. Uh, I, I express my concern that so much of our teaching about discipleship seems to me to be infantilizing, mm -hmm. continually treating people like small children. And I think that's not the goal. That's <laughs> not what God's right. doing with us. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to build an adult understanding into things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great recap. And I'm, yeah, so just, I'm, I would love to hear more just about the concept so like you hear it all the time, like God is silent. Like, what do we do when God is silent? And I, I love the way you framed that. Just like, it's not a bad thing. It's not him abandoning us. Like mm -hmm. it's him saying, all right, like go for it a little bit. Um, what, so like when someone's experiencing that, what, like, what should they do? If like, where do they turn if they're not feeling like they're hearing a direct answer from God? Well, my, my view was that, that one of the investments you could make earlier in life is, is to have some kind of a, an authentic and satisfying personal devotional life. Because I think at that time when you're feeling alone, I'm pretty much saying there's no one to turn to. Right. <laughs> I mean, they may be there, but for uh -huh. some reason you are not able to step in. I said it's an irony that at those times when we probably should step toward our families, towards our church most. We find ourselves unable for one reason. We feel a strange sense of disconnect. Mm -hmm. So I think what, what you have to do is have a life that, uh, as I was saying this morning, um, to be a Christian alone, to stand alone, to be find your spiritual life, I was saying, in your own skin, between your own ears, to, mm -hmm. to know how to connect with God or to hang on. To faith, even even when heaven seems to be silent and maybe closed, mm -hmm. right? So it's mm -hmm. essentially laying, having that foundational relationship that it's like you don't. When God is silent, He's you still have something to go off of. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if in those times that devotional life is is hard to pull off right. because you're thinking, well, where are you? You're not answering me. You're not there. <laughs> but yeah. uh, at the same time, that I think if you've built that into your life a little mm -hmm. with some strengths, then then you can stay at it. And I think that is ultimately where you will um, recover. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, like, I feel like it's hard to, there can sometimes be this mold of you have to get up at, you know, 5 a.m. and spend 30 minutes doing a devotion with God. And it's like, which I think has hindered <laughs> so many young people, especially of just like, well, that's not, I can't do that or I don't enjoy that or mm -hmm. I don't. And so it's finding a niche too of just like, okay, what does it look like for you to connect with God and have devotion mm -hmm. with him? If that's. One of the things I was saying that, that I think is important for our students in particular is Rosedale is full of supports. There's a mm -hmm. lot of spiritual scaffolding here. And um, you probably won't get that when you leave. Not quite as much. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. people won't be minding you uh, and taking care of you like that. Uh -huh. so. Yeah. No, that reminds So then that's one thing that I often think of is like when, and kind of I think what you were talking about is like when you leave those scaffolding mm -hmm. and you talked about connecting with the church and just kind of the difficulties that can come with that I think a little bit of sometimes you have to take that next step like you can't they're not gonna always come talk to you and seek you out mm -hmm. um and just the difficulties of a church basically and finding that and do you like so what in your mind is when someone's like maybe choosing a church or you know goes back home maybe it's a familiar church it's like 
what are the things, how do you choose a church maybe is the best way of putting that question. <laughs> wow, Erica, you keep stealing all my questions. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Some people will live a very stable life. I suppose mm-hmm. they'll stay in the church they grew up in. But I think that's an increasingly rare biography. I mean, I think for our students now, they will find they've moved around. They've gained some distance. They will, in a sense, be required to find a new church home. I, I would... I would suggest avoid the superficial traps. Uh, you know, there, there are places that are flashy that might have worship that's very um, appealing on one level to you. But at the same time, I think you, you need to look at the doctrinal dimensions and the depth of the people involved in the church. I mean, I think that's a good place to be. But as I said today, too, I think church is going to do what it's going to do in spite of the fact that we're all blockheads and sinners and, mm-hmm. and do obnoxious things and... Uh, um, there's something happening in any fellowship that's beyond us. And to have confidence that that will get to you, even in a church where you feel very out of step, kind of awkward, um, maybe aren't building the relationships you thought, it's not like home. I ran into this so much as a pastor in, in Mobile, Alabama. People were usually there, hadn't grown up there and moved into the city and and they were adrift and the you know, church wasn't quite the same. And they really didn't know how to connect. And I kept trying to always restored in the sense that what's going on here is happening because Christ is making it happen in spite of how awkward we might all feel being thrown into a room together and not having kind of the the old bonds that existed in a church when we were younger. Right. I kind of have a question along those lines. So I guess talking about what God is doing in the church, all that, just briefly, what would you define as, I guess, the primary purpose of the church Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, it, the Bible kind of portrays us as being built into a temple to worship God. That could be, sound so pious, though, and, and think, well, you know, I mean, God's not an egotist who's just trying to build a you know a a room full of people cheering for him. I think in worship we find who we really are as humans. I mean, it restores beauty and balance to life. So, I mean, there's something in it for us. Not just sort of a you know a, a, a mindless chorus singing praises to God. Um, so I think the the purpose of church is to to build real human beings who love God mm-hmm. with all their heart, mind, and soul, and love their neighbor as themselves, and are an environment in which that flourishes and and grows in us. Mm-hmm. It's a good foundation. I'm I'd be curious too, just the. I mean, you look at the American church, I think now, especially, and it's like the programs and the development of church has mm-hmm. run like the church running a business, basically. Um, and I, I had to think, like, I think there's definitely a place for that. But I like had basically the balance seems hard. Basically, when is it become too much of a show or whatever? <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess maybe it is that just that foundational. Like if you have that foundational, maybe the things are OK or. Yeah, I don't know what's... Well, it's a problem. I mean, we could offer great critiques of the church in the current world, I'm <laughs> sure, and, and uh, most of them would be right. Mm-hmm. I, I sense, I mean, this this perhaps is a little bit uh, wide of, of answering your question, but I sense that, in particular, the generation represented by our students are, are facing a world in which church lines are redrawing themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that might be one of the things that they'll be facing is that, 
the, the continents are drifting apart. You know, where, where will they stand? Where will they end up? Because I think the the categories and definitions are all being shuffled now and will continue to be. And so just who you want to identify with as a Christian and the type of church you will find rewarding is going to be have to be a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be a lot of alternatives out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the flashy stuff. I mean, I'm not there for the entertainment, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but, you know, then I would have my own cranky aesthetic opinions, too. I try mm-hmm. to put those off to the side at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of things that, that uh, you know, I'd love to see that, that might just be more matters of taste than, than the real questions of depth. Right. Yes, yeah, so there is a line of, like, it's okay to enjoy aspects of church and stuff, but like those can't be the drivers essentially. Is that a fair way? I of think so. Yeah. yeah. I like, a, for me personally, I kind of like the raucous environment of a lot of different people from a lot of different mm-hmm. backgrounds being put together, trying to work out salvation with each other. I mean, I, I, you know, a very stable and staid and homogenous church doesn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd love to see, you know, every tribe and tongue and nation and every word personality quirk and <laughs> the strong recognition that we're all sinners and flawed and need each other uh, mm-hmm. mixed up in a room. And I'm sure that's a wild ride sometimes in a church, but uh, I'd take it any day over the, the sleepy church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to word this question. I guess, so I'll be leaving Rosedale here in a few months, and I'll be continuing my education, hopefully. And I guess, what would be your advice for people, like Erica's already asked, like what do you kind of look for in a church? Mm-hmm. What would be your advice in, I guess, how do we, what are good ways for a person to invest in a church that they're newly attending or maybe have attended a while and they want to, I guess, just... Be a good community member. I remember uh, a talk. It was actually a very valuable talk um, in, uh, I think it was an InterVarsity when I was an undergraduate at Penn State. And <laughs> I was the director of the program, a man named Carl Dirk. He was great. Came out and said, uh, we're all, you know, getting ready to graduate. Said, I guarantee you, wherever you go to church, the Christians will be obnoxious. <laughs> you know, that, that stepping in for the first time, you could be endlessly critical. Mm. And if you were endlessly enthusiastic, you should probably be suspicious of that, too. Because <laughs> will that, is that actually going to sustain itself? I, I mm-hmm. love this place and everyone in it. Like, well, yeah, the first few months you will, and then you'll realize they're mm-hmm. human like everyone else, and uh, mm-hmm. it won't be there. My advice would be to be very generous and non-judgmental mm-hmm. uh, going in, to to look for the things that you think are the real points of quality in a church uh, and, and what matters to you. There are, as Erica says, programs with churches with big, flashy programs, a lot of people. Almost any town I've ever been in has kind of the romantic big churches that everybody wants to flock to. I I said that I lost my appetite for that stuff a long time ago, and I think I look for another kind of quality in smaller congregations. Um, I don't like ingrown. As I said, I love diversity. Um, To me, um, a conscious faith that's worked out scripturally is so important for for Mm -hmm. me as a Christian. There are a lot of people riding on emotion and... uh, um, good feelings and generating kind of an emotional atmosphere. It's, once again, that doesn't appeal to me. A, a competent preaching, a, a teaching of the word, um, competent lay, lay development, um, 
people who think carefully before they speak, all that matters so much to me that that, mm-hmm. that would be an environment I would be at least trying to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, of course, I'm an Anabaptist, so I'd be finding mm-hmm. an Anabaptist congregation if I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. I think, yeah, I think I often, as with my personality, I go very like, well, who's going to need me the most? Which is like, <laughs> and I think there is a balance of like, yeah, like I want to be able to give to a church and be able to, you know, use your gifts and invest. But it's also like, there's another balance of like, well, how is the church going to help you spiritually? How is this church going to help you grow if you're just there catering to a church? You're probably not going to grow as much. Um, so I think, too, there's a balance there in finding people that are going to pour into you, but also you can in turn pour into them, if that's fair to say, I think. But I like the comment that you made in your chapel talk. I don't have the exact words, but it was basically even when you are feeling isolated, even within your own church, it's still very important to be a part of that community. Mm. Could you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, well, I think I said that that uh, you become a Christian, you're irrevocably a part of Jesus' church. I mean, he doesn't really give us that option. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, and I think for me, that means we're part of a, a flesh and blood congregation, a specific congregation, not just sort of floating around in the kingdom of God where we're never really settled into a fellowship where we have to grow, where we have to be kind of in interactions with other people where where things can be either great blessings or maybe even tense. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that point at which we feel alone, that part I was trying to talk about, it's so easy just to pull back at mm-hmm. that point and and... Oh, maybe have an idealized picture of a church that we we're looking for that I said was probably unrealistic now and then uh, to to find a place to be and and go there and have confidence that that Christ can be there and get to you there, even if it doesn't feel that way and and to to endure the times of feeling out of step or awkward or new. Just sometimes it's just a question of being new, right? I mean, some people jump in with a little more extrovert zeal than others. I mean, others, it takes them a while to build any kind of relationship. So it requires some patience in those years. And I think those, that patience has to be rest on a kind of confidence that Christ is doing stuff in all churches. It's his church. And, and there's uh, something going on behind the scenes that's beyond us all. It's more than, as I said in the talk, beyond the sum of human parts. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I think one thing I thought of when you were talking, there's like, there's this mentality, I think sometimes that like church is there for, as a social gathering. And it's like, well, if my friends aren't here, then like mm-hmm. I won't get anything out of it. But I mean, I think, I mean, I love church in that not only the diversity from different backgrounds, but different age groups and too, and just the beauty mm-hmm. of connecting with people of all different stages and stuff and walk of life there. Um, yeah, no, that's. Actually, you know, when you talk about churches and desirable features, that's a very important one to me. If you get some of the really big churches, you can kind of be sectioned off in an age cohort. Yes. And uh, that's never appealed to me. I don't know. I've always been very flexible on age. I I seem to, Mm -hmm. maybe to a fault, but I just like young people, old people, wherever wherever I'm in it. Those boundaries haven't meant a lot to me. I I don't really seem to have much trouble just sort of attaching and liking and enjoying those relationships. Mm -hmm. I'd hate to be isolated in the 
you know, a, an age cohort or, a, a, you know, this is the young singles, the young married people, the, and then kind of trapped in it, you know, where you don't really get to go across those boundaries. I think small churches of necessity have to mix those lines up a little bit more because there are three young adults and two, two aged people and, you know, a couple of widows and a couple unmarrieds and a couple of people with, you know, little kids and, Pretty much if there's going to be much fellowship, they've got to transcend all those lines. Right. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I think it's, I mean, I love being able to connect with people from different walks of life and ages. And it's, I think it's beautiful to be able to, I mean, I think that's a lot of what the church is too. So I think that's really special, but um, yeah, well, wrapping up shortly here, unless there's any last questions. Uh, I kind of just had one more question. Um, So I guess kind of going more back to how God uses these times of feeling alone to like help us grow more what how would what would god maybe show someone who is going through a time of loneliness or how might he help i guess aid in the sanctification process well i I think by definition the time i'm talking about god doesn't seem to be there so i think you have to (laughs) to wait patiently wait on the lord <laughs> it's kind of a, a theme that shows up in scripture right to to wait patiently see what what will emerge but i think in that time period you you are in that mode where you have to hold on you just have to 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 assume something is happening that's beyond you and and you can't get a hold of it I don't, as I said, I'm not talking about kind of the temporary moments of melancholy and out of step thing. I'm talking about periods in life that, that extend for a while, that, that really do require some patience and a, a, um, the convictions that I was trying to get everybody to, to grab hold of now that say, uh, God is there and he is working out something, but what it might be for you or for me might not exactly be the same thing. Um, but I think in all cases, he's trying to build a mature believer. As I said, not leave us as infants, but those, those children who grow and learn to defend themselves, stand on their own two feet, face the world, stand up uh, for Christ when no one else is standing, uh, be able to in- live in that environment where they, they are, know that there's something between them and Christ that is, is permanent and fixed. But how... I was trying to draw that out of each person. I would say you'd hear different stories. Yeah. I think that's a great kind of place just to end on there. Just, I think, am I right? Just summing up, just like when you're feeling alone, just keep having faith. Don't trust that it's not God just straight up abandoning you, but keep kind of pressing in, keep doing things, keep seeking community, keep reading his word. Is that, is that a good place to kind of summarize? Are there other action steps that you would say to, process in those seasons of loneliness no not exactly but remember i am talking about a big period of life right. everybody right. has moments of loneliness you know mm-hmm. it's just a bad weekend right. <laughs> a, a spiritual <laughs> bad hair day i mean yes. you have that i but i just think that people going in especially early 20s sometimes when they have young they first have children uh-huh. uh when their children leave home that there are periods of great transition and wobble in life. And so I'm talking about those time periods. And uh, uh, yes, I think it is uh, not isolating yourself is very important, but I think the conviction that God is truly there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The passages I read even from Psalm 139, for example, and that church is doing something even when it feels like, oh no, 
right. do I have to go there again mm-hmm. kind of uh, feeling and you don't don't want to be there that something beyond you is still taking place there mm-hmm. yeah no that's really mm-hmm. encouraging just knowing that we don't always see what's going on behind the scenes and we don't always right. know that yeah no well, that's really encouraging. I was very encouraged by your message this morning, yeah, and absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. And um, yeah, I hope everyone tuning in also enjoyed it and was able to kind of learn and be challenged from it as well. So thank you all very much, Ruben mm-hmm. and Dorothy, for joining me. Thank and you, Erica. Yeah, thank you, Erica. Yeah, yeah. See you all later. <laughs>